0: Hello, good afternoon and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, your host for the show and the CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. I'm also a contributing columnist on CIO.com where I write about career and boardroom strategies for IT leaders. Twice a month we produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous help from uh, my friends at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you now on LinkedIn and on YouTube. And we welcome all of our viewers who are watching today to pay close attention and send in your own questions, which we will do our best to pass along to my guests. We'll be watching for those questions and doing our best. Today is actually a very special edition of Leadership Live. We are focusing on a number of core people and talent issues. And joining me today are Ken Grady and Seth Rigoletti. Seth is a leadership and communications coach with 10 plus years experience, working with C-level executives, politicians, doctors, scientists, and authors. He's a former author and a teacher, a former actor and a teacher, and he helps his clients achieve personal growth as a tool to increase their professional influence and manage change more effectively. He specializes in guiding people away from their old patterns and into more genuine and confident styles of communication, which I assume we're going to see a lot of on this podcast today. And then joining us from the CIO contingent is my friend, Ken Grady. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer of IDEX Laboratories, IDEX is a Maine-based S&P 500 biotech research company that specializes in pet and livestock healthcare. IDEX employs 10,000 people worldwide and serves customers in more than 175 countries. Ken joined IDEX in 2014 as VP and CIO and then was promoted to Senior VP and CIO in 2016 to lead the global IT organization as it accelerates the company's ongoing growth strategy. Before IDEX, I knew Ken back when he was the CIO at New England BioLabs and before that as the global head of business analytics and commercial IT at Novartis Vaccines and Diagnostics. Gentlemen, welcome today. Thank you, Mary Thanks, It's so cool to have you both here. This is such an unusual edition of the show because we're not gonna talk just about IDEX and Ken's leadership as a CIO. We're going to get into core people and talent issues. We're gonna talk about how IT leaders can make their companies, can help make work more human, can bridge workplace generational gaps, and also reframe the whole topic of change management. Mm. And we also have some breaking news to share on the show today because there's a podcast launching. In fact, it has launched. It's launched. It's launched today. And Ken and Seth have produced and have launched this together. And it speaks directly to many of the topics that we're gonna be getting into. The title of their new podcast is It's Not Personal, and one of the things I'll be asking them about is what the heck that means, (laughs) so we'll talk about all that because its goal is to influence how people think about leadership and culture today. It's so great. They made the trip here from their studios and their workplaces in Maine, and I want to start out was some of the backstory about how the two of you started working together and um, led to this wonderful launch of your podcast.
1: Thank you. Well, first of all, it's it's great to be here in person. It's great yes, to be anywhere in person Isn't after it? a couple of years. Um of being completely virtual. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really want to thank you for uh, making the time and inviting us to join and share this awesome, you know, we're really excited, obviously, about It's Not Personal. And yep. I know we'll tell that story because when I first shared it with you, mm-hmm. you said, that's not a very good name.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know, a, I know. That's not a great title.
1: It's well, not a great title, but well. but we talked about and we'll <laughs> talk about uh, what we mean with that yes. but but I met Seth actually when I joined Idex back in 2014 mm-hmm. um, into 2014 going into 2015 Seth was already working with some of my senior leaders that I walked into mm-hmm. on leadership and voice and clarity and communication uh, both as a team and as individuals mm-hmm. and really quickly I and when I joined Idex you know we were uh Idex is a growth company and we were really thinking about how do we position the investment in technology to help continue mm-hmm. to accelerate that growth. And it meant that we needed to reframe the way that we operated as an IT organization. Mm-hmm. And that was the work that Seth and I uh, jumped into together.
2: Yeah. I think, yeah. I think in the, in the, when I first met Ken, you know, he was, he was doing a, a pretty, I would say a pretty radical change in terms of culture within mm-hmm. the organization. So IT going from, what you might consider like a service organization to more of a partner, strategic partner. Yes. And that change management is, it's hard. You know, it's hard to like getting everybody mm. in the technical space to think differently about, um, you know, when someone's asking you for something, it's not mm-hmm. just a yes or no, right? It's not just mm-hmm. we can do that not or we can't do that, but how to like actually communicate what does that mean what are you trying to accomplish and that and that that idea of how do we create that new culture was really where we got engaged in yeah, and we, we, talking.
1: We called it breaking the frame and it right. was breaking the frame yeah. of reference from mm-hmm. the traditional, quote unquote, traditional, you know, enterprise IT back office right. function yes. to a customer yep. facing, impactful, move the needle, strategic. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's that's something that as you grow up in IT, you're often very operationally focused, very sure. project focused. And it really just means changing the way you think about, you know, uh, how you approach the role, how yeah. you approach mm-hmm. the, the company. I mean, that was the work that we started on and we've... Since partnered on a number of efforts, right. we we mm-hmm. uh, storytelling. We did a storytelling set of workshops right. for my team, which was probably mm-hmm. one of the most enjoyable I set of workshops with the team i mean they just loved it learning how to tell stories
0: that stuff is fun i've actually the um the next episode of my uh, i read a column for cio.com called cio career strategist Mm. and for the next one i interviewed a professional storyteller Mm. who works out of canada i saw him at an it conference and learned so much about how important it is to make it all about people that the reason that yeah. everybody pretty much hates PowerPoint and yep. all of those bullets on the screen is because it doesn't have any emotional impact. It doesn't have any right. meaning. And he also, it's always about change management. And we, well, I think we sometimes think change management is a bunch of wonderful principles, and this, these are the new rules and everybody should right. follow them. Right. When in reality, everybody's thinking about, well, what does this mean to me? So yes. uh, you know oh. that breaking, no, point. That breaking yeah. the frame thing. Yes. Is, and you can't do that with one conversation, can you? I mean, you've been working together for several years now, yeah. and you have not run out of things for Seth to well, do. Well, you just yeah. put
1: your finger right on it, and that was really the genesis of a lot of this, this mm-hmm. latest collaboration that we've been working on, which mm-hmm. is, you know, even as a technology leader or as a business leader, whatever we frame it, it is all about the people. Okay, as much like, as we think about the mm-hmm. technology, it's to enable the people either that we serve as our customers or that we work with as our colleagues mm-hmm. or that we lead as our teams. Yeah. And if you're not talking about the people, right. um, then you're going to have a much more difficult time in, yeah. influencing change and behavior, right? which mm-hmm. is most of what we do
2: uh, and, as CIOs I, and leaders. And, and I would add, Ken, that like probably the biggest mistake we make in business, is we 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 sort of take it for granted. We sort of think, well, well, will of course they'll trust us. Of course they'll follow us. Of course they'll, yeah. you know, they'll they'll understand why we're doing this. And you've done such a great job. Um, Ken does such a great job, Mary Fran, as mm-hmm. you know, of bringing people along, of like thinking about how is this going to impact everybody. How is this going to help us move forward? Mm-hmm. And and that that change that that mindset change really it's so subtle but it's Mm. incredibly powerful.
0: Well, it it ultimately what you're doing is you're rebuilding trust that people can have in their managers and bosses and leaders. And it's, you know, no matter what generation you hail from, Mm -hmm. you don't go into the workplace thinking that everybody around you is someone you can trust.
2: Well, certainly, especially when you're talking about- I maybe about,
0: sound paranoid saying that. I'm <laughs> I just think, like, I just realized. So I, it's think, like, oh. I think when
2: you when yeah. you talk about technology, yeah. and I'm, I'm saying this not as a technologist, right? So I, I work with a lot of people in technology mm-hmm. and there's not a thing that you're gonna do in IT that's not going to upset somebody. Even when you're you're solving a problem that they brought to you, your solution is going to be upsetting because it is going to change the way that they do things. And so how do you manage that, right? How do you help them understand what's happening so they don't feel like you've just moved their cheese or you just changed the way that they do everything? Mm -hmm. How do you help them? And one of the ways you do that is understanding that these are people. Like mm-hmm. you're not moving, you know, just bits and bytes around. You're actually dealing with people, And, yeah. and that piece yeah. is
0: important. Well, and I feel like uh, oftentimes IT leaders and IT managers and everybody in the organization ends up feeling like they spend most of their day apologizing for oh, things. That's
1: that interesting. Are... Going. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting. We have a, uh, a whole a whole episode around that.
0: Do you do? And uh, I think you told me you called it "I'm sorry and not sorry." Not sorry. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you know, it's it's funny how often I have had. To tell folks uh, and my team, um, mm-hmm. never apologize for doing your job.
0: There you go. Right?
1: You know, mm-hmm. really own it, understand the impact, understand yes. the, and empathize with mm-hmm. the impact that you're having, the change that you're mm-hmm. asking for. Um, but if you start with an apology, you're, you're starting with, you know, you're a, taking, a blame personal game.
0: Blame. He's yeah. taking personal
1: blame. You're taking personal blame. It's just, it's not constructive generally. Yeah. Uh, I think it was probably going to be our most controversial episode.
0: Do you think? Oh, oh we got yeah. right to it then, uh, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Well, you have an episode also planned on psychological safety. We do. Which is what all of it builds up to. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Yeah. I wanted to ask about. I, I have to get to the title. It's not personal because when he first told me that, I immediately started doing the whole cheeky editor thing, saying, "Are you sure about that title? I mean, isn't yeah. leadership very personal?" Because I'm having so many conversations these days with CIOs who have never talked about the softer subjects, the mm. empathy, and uh, you know, like the organizational change that has gone on, and uh, you know, the suffering they may see in their employees, and how they can share in that now, and how they can be more helpful. And I thought. Isn't it that we want leaders to get more personal? So give me that explanation again. I know so, I know a little bit of what you're I gonna know, say, but I, I, I well, love it because it is counterintuitive.
1: It's it is both counterintuitive. It's a little provocative
0: yes. to say, you know, which is to always think good. about,
1: you know, but when I mm-hmm. think about all the organizations I've had the opportunity to lead, mm-hmm. right? Um and back to some of what Seth was touching on, which is, you know, <laughs> every organization I've ever led is full of humans. Mm-hmm start with that, adult human right. beings that have their own perspective, that have their own uh, experiences, their own mm-hmm. context. And often when you know as a leader, you're 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 setting the vision, you're articulating the goals, you're describing the processes, and mm-hmm. you're creating those often uncomfortable moments of change for people, back to Seth's point. Mm-hmm. And you, you really have to take your own ego out of the way to understand and empathize with that change that you're creating for folks and why they're uncomfortable and mm-hmm. know that it's when they react the way they're reacting to that change that you're introducing or asking for yeah, yeah. it's not about you mm-hmm. it's about where they are and right. how do you set them up for success and that's really the goal as a leader is you're actually helping others you're serving others as a leader to set them up for success
0: yeah not yourself well, and what you're the way you're saying it it makes me think about servant leadership because mm. I always mm. love those conversations with CIOs when they say I'm really into servant leadership. They they seem to already be way ahead of the crowd with the empathy and connecting and the idea that leaders are there to help everybody not only do a better job but enjoy their jobs. Yes. Yes, and so we we it we feels say, radical, doesn't it? I, it does feel <laughs> radical. See, we want
1: to create a more human workspace, a more yeah. engaged, a more connected. You making, know, sometimes a leader, work your
0: more human. your
1: job yeah. is to mm-hmm. help you know help support one another, help connect, create those connections, create that clarity. Yeah. But to do that well. And to make mm-hmm. others feel heard, you got to take your own ego out of the way, and that's the it's not personal part.
0: Well, and that's a whole lot easier said than done, isn't it? Seth? It is not it I mean,
2: well, let's, yeah. Let's I mean, have
0: the leadership and communication coach weigh in on that, right? One.
2: So let's let's start yeah. off just by the title. Also came from uh, a conversation that Ken and I had about eight months ago, where yeah. we were talking about. I'm I was working on a book, and there, each chapter has a different. Uh, Client in a different situation Mm -hmm. and a a different topic, and uh, and Ken said there should be a chapter called "It's Not Personal," and and I was like, "Well, tell me more about that." And he was like, "Bells going off." And he was like, "Well, communications head. Well, like for example, like how often do we get an email that we think is that where there's conflict and we think it's about us?"
0: Yeah, this person is deliberately pushing all this person is deliberately
2: doing this to me. And, he, and or the, or I didn't get I didn't get this promotion because of something that happened to me or mm-hmm. I didn't get this feedback or I didn't get this validation because because it's personal mm-hmm. and and you talked Ken about how like one of the most valuable lessons you've learned in your career is that not to take that stuff personally yeah that stuff is not about you
1: yeah it's so often we I mean we're all the protagonists or the heroes of our own story that's mm-hmm. how we approach the world that's certainly yeah. how we approach work and if you can recognize that, but set it aside and listen differently mm-hmm. to your colleagues in the C-suite, to your team that might be having a hard day, yeah. to, you know, in the project steering committees that we're all part of. Mm-hmm. And you realize that those reactions and the questions that they're asking really isn't about you. Right. It's about... Some outcome that we're trying to create, right.
2: some moment that we're trying to create. I do, I do think it's important to say out loud that we that it, it will feel personal. Oh yeah, like I think that there's nothing oh. that happens in work where someone's you know uh, getting in the way of you accomplishing your goals or saying no to you when you and, really need them and to and say they yes. Become
0: the target of your frustration. Yeah, it's definitely yeah.
2: it's easy to take that stuff personally, and mm-hmm. and I think that what we're keying in on is just that idea that if you don't take mm-hmm. that personally it opens up the doorway to a better understanding and a better communication with that other person. Mm-hmm. When you do take that stuff personally, you don't have very many choices. You're really stuck with- You're defensive uh, right you're away. You're defensive, mm-hmm. you're hurt, you, yep. you, know, you, you see yourself as a victim, uh, all that stuff that, that happens it makes it very hard to communicate yep. across different groups or have any influence, which is ultimately, if you don't have influence in an organization, you don't have much.
0: What is the immediate how-to advice you would both give for that situation? Is it the deep breath, the count to 10, the writing down a phrase that calms you? I mean, what is your method now? Because you probably are thinking and reacting, it's very hard to get down to the bottom of our personalities and not feel a little tense and defensive. So what is your method? What do you, the, uh, what you has know, this guy taught you to do about that? <laughs>
1: well, the thing that I think, is, it, and I'm going to say this, and it sounds yeah. easy and it's actually really hard, yeah. but it's stay curious and ask yourself. Okay. And this is the thing that I always do is I, you know, if I see somebody in that moment or I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm saying one thing, but I'm not getting the response I expect. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I wonder why somebody's. why is the... Why is Mary Fran responding the way she is? Yeah, asking yourself and staying curious—you really asking yourself about the why. What what could be causing this behavior? What could be causing this response? If you can do that,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Again, you take yourself out and say, "What what's Mary Fran's perspective on this? What's Uh Seth's perspective on this? Why would Seth be reacting the way that he is?"
2: So let's Mm -hmm. let's establish it before you can do that. What Ken is talking about, which is absolutely what you need to be able to do, we have to deal with um, some some biology some the mm. neurosciences that w- when we are uh, when we are in fight or flight right so like usually when we feel attacked mm-hmm. we go right into this fight or flight stage mm-hmm. and what that does is it activates the amygdala it activates the oh, parts yeah. of our brain that are more primal more emotional mm-hmm. and that will flood your brain with all kinds of um, hormones and stuff. That just yeah. uh, sends sends a signal. You can to feel the, it usually somewhere right.
0: in your body. Your face will start Absolutely. to tingle. Absolutely, your face neck will be flushed. get flushed. You'll
2: or, like yeah. you'll start to breathe more heavily. <laughs> like you'll just mm-hmm. you'll have all these things. Your eye light, eyes will actually dilate differently. Yeah, and it shuts down the executive function of your brain. You actually mm-hmm. get stupid. You know, <laughs> and when that happens, and what I teach people mm-hmm. is that. If you, can't, if you don't know that's happening, if yeah. you can't be aware that's happening, there's there's no nothing I can tell you that's gonna be helpful. Right. But if you can bring attention to the fact, oh, I'm having a reaction, that's the first thing. I'm yeah. having a reaction.
0: You have to label it, you have to put a name on it. And if you right? can
2: start there and say, and I'm gonna frame it this way, mm-hmm. w- what if this isn't what I think it is? Like, what ah. if this isn't about me? That's mm. the first, if you could just, mm-hmm. Make enough space for that. What if oh, okay. this, is a, isn't, it, this isn't is actually about me? What that will do is engage the um, executive functions that allow yeah. you to prefrontal cortex to kick back in the gear. And mm-hmm. then you can start to be curious. Well, what is actually happening? Yeah, What's going on? What is going on with this person?
1: And in our first episode, I actually talk about, you know, and as you mentioned <laughs> in the bio, the intro, uh, very generous intro, you know, I've had the chance to lead a lot of organizations and work yes. with a lot of different functions. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about, being an IT and technology and a CIO is you get mm-hmm. to work with every function of the organization. Yes, and over the course of my career, you know, you, some of the more successful, some less. But I, I mm-hmm. remember having a moment where I was really challenged with a colleague mm-hmm. outside of IT.
0: Okay,
1: and. The first thing I did was, you know, because I felt like he was attacking what we were doing. I felt like he wasn't valuing, yeah. you know, uh, the the challenges of what we were overcoming
0: yeah. and the work. And he wasn't someone you could just say, "Oh, never mind that person." This was an important executive that important you needed to work with. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, an important
2: stakeholder who also, my dad had a, you know, he he his one of his skill sets was. Was like pushing things through so yeah. it's like sure. he's a yeah intense. he's a
1: closer he's an intense yeah. dude. The yeah. Intense guy you intense know guy, yep. knows the story but you know mm-hmm. this was some time ago but uh so what i did was I actually went to him and i said i'd like to find some time just you and i because mm-hmm. this i don't feel like i'm being successful at helping you get done what you need to get done
0: okay that's great. And we did. We,
1: we found some time together. Mm-hmm. We discovered that we had a mutual appreciation of bourbon. Okay. Um, so we oh, wow. found a safe space. And he said, Ken, you got to understand the pressure I'm I'm under. Ah. And suddenly, suddenly, and this was a real aha moment for me, mm-hmm. I developed a new empathy and realized that that was really the moment where I realized, oh, that behavior has nothing to do with me or... The function I lead in IT. Yeah, this is he's under pressure and he's looking to push things through.
0: He'd be just as frustrated with any other CIO in your absolutely. position. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. and so that really going you know fifty one percent. You're not meeting mm-hmm. him halfway, but going a little beyond. Yeah, and both sharing, you know how I was feeling, and giving him space to share his pressure mm-hmm. made all the difference. All the
2: difference. Yeah, I want to add something mm-hmm. to this because there's a part that can you're so good at, but I don't know if you're always aware that you're Mm -hmm. so good at this. Cause if you're listening, if you're listening to this and you're a CIO and you're, you're wondering like, oh, so I just go to this person and just say, hey, you're being a pain in my neck. Like, that's what Explain yourself to me. So so an important thing that Ken is, was able to do in this moment was he was able to be vulnerable and that piece of being saying like, I I wanna help you. Mm -hmm. And this is really difficult. Like like I'm finding it difficult to 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 give you what you need. Yes. And and to be vulnerable in that way allowed him to let down his guard. Yeah. Yeah. And Ah. he was able to be vulnerable. And and Mm -hmm. this is the thing that like you know what what Ken is so good at and what I think you know other CIOs can can continue to to learn is that vulnerability is probably your most effective tool. Mm -hmm. when it comes to like building relationships either with your team right or or with other groups it is probably the most effective tool now how do you use that i think Mm -hmm. you have to listen to the podcast to really understand you know how Mm -hmm. how you can incorporate that because it's not like oh just be vulnerable okay yeah (laughs) yeah just
0: go around all the time with my heart on my sleeve and and, and i'll get beat up on the playground yeah i mean because a lot of this i mean uh, the uh, big majority of cios are of course men and men have not been embracing vulnerability for, mm, until maybe Brene Brown got so <laughs> popular, right? What is she She always says, uh, stay awkward, brave, and kind. That's right. And I do think, Mother. I mean, I've seen the, the 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 progress that CIOs and IT leaders in general have made over the last few years. Some of it leaps and bounds accelerating through the pandemic because yes. everybody became more Human and more people and more. Oh my God! I'm doing this from my son's bedroom. Please ignore that Batman poster on the wall. You know. Yeah. Um, so everybody got more human during the pandemic, and IT leaders were often in such heroic roles mm. because they connected everybody and enabled. And you know, we've had this con- that conversation many times on this show about how much everything advanced in terms of the relationships between CIOs and the business leaders. It was like it was no longer feeling that you were always at the short chair at the big table. Mm. Um, and that's been that's been very fun to watch because over the years I used to say that you know when you imagine the bridge between IT and the rest of the organization, I always picture the IT people and the CIOs having to go more than halfway, to meet the others because there has been a lot of just, I don't know, built-in institutional problems between IT and business groups.
1: So I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm always correct, folks. I always Mm -hmm. challenge folks when I hear that. And I I always challenge my team when I hear that too. Mm -hmm. I very much am a business leader. My domain is, mm-hmm. my functional domain that we deliver and impact is the technology side. But I think that's yes. a really important framing, okay? right, fair to enough. be yeah. there. So I just no, have to fair always,
0: because I always
1: pointed out to my team, and they, they wouldn't yeah. let me live it down if I let you slide on that. Yeah. But I do no, think I you're right about Language the last is two years. It yeah. is important. Yeah. And I think the last two years, one of the wonderful silver linings, and I really mean that as much as it has been stressful and challenging, and mm-hmm. you know, of course the impact on You know, loss of life, et cetera, through the pandemic. But one of the wonderful silver linings that I hope we don't lose, and this was Mm -hmm. actually a big part of the genesis of us wanting to start a podcast. Mm. I called Seth up because he and I talk about this stuff all the time, both in the context of our team, et cetera. And I said, I'd like to hit record on our conversations Mm -hmm. because I (laughs) don't want to lose this unique human moment where I do get to see into people's you know their son's bedroom with a batman poster on the Mm -hmm. wall Mm -hmm. or they see my dog you know come in and start barking at the ups guy or my kid come in to use the printer and isn't that great well can yeah
2: you you had been working on this for a while right with the videos and the the weekly videos that you would Mm -hmm. send out to your your team and and really like trying to bring your more personal side into that into that conversation so it's not just like this here the Here are the technological pieces, or here's the nuts and bolts.
1: Yeah, that was that was part of the genesis of this as well. Was at the start of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and I yeah, it was that first week. We'd all gone home March thirteenth, twenty twenty, and I was like, oh my god, I got to talk to my team, like Mm -hmm. because we're all white knuckling it, right? We're all Mm -hmm. we don't know what's going on. The world's on fire. Mm And so I grabbed my phone and I pointed it at my face and I hit record and I talked for like 10 or 12 minutes. We're going to yep. get through this together. Here's what we're, our priorities are. Here's what, you know, if you have any questions, how to reach out. And then the next week I did it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then every week since then, yes, I've done a video 10-15 minutes talking about some Mm -hmm. different topic one time i explained what pcr was because we're a diagnostics company and this is important technology and just different ways to stay connected and i realized through that i've always led a global organization Mm -hmm. people all over the world we just weren't really good at staying connected in that way in a personal way and the feedback i got from my team on this little thing this Mm -hmm. 10 minute video a week was tremendously positive. They got to see, uh, sometimes I'd be cooking while I'd be talking, Mm -hmm. cooking lunch or something. And it's just a a different side of me as a leader than they ever saw in the office hallway.
0: Yes.
2: My my favorite is when you were haying the barn, that was my, or whatever it was, you were like like, (laughs) feeding the pigs or whatever you were doing. Feeding the (laughs)
1: pigs, I think. I have pigs
2: (laughs) and chickens on a farm in in Maine, but uh,
1: yeah. So they got to see a different side of me and the feedback was really tremendous. And that was all into this how do we go forward mm-hmm. and take these lessons that we've learned in the last two years and keep the humanity mm. and, and the vulnerability and the the authenticity mm-hmm. of who we are um going forward? So that was well, that was a big part of it.
0: And it was seeing one of those videos on LinkedIn right after the, to the new year. And mm. I was just starting the career strategist column and interviewed you for the very first episode of that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Because you're actually one of the very few CIOs I've ever met who's on TikTok. (laughs) And it could be I'm just not meeting enough Gen Xers or something, because I'm sure there's a lot of others on there. But it was like, and I asked her, I was like, wow, you're so comfortable on video. And you said... I wasn't at first, no. <laughs> but you just you just kind of keep doing it after doing it a few um,
1: dozen times, yeah, uh, yeah. fifty or hundred times, and you get more it, comfortable. You
0: get more comfortable, exactly. And, and I'm
1: blessed. I have teenage children. or a 20 year old daughter oh. now, and a 14 year old mm-hmm. uh, son, so I can't say that's how I learned about TikTok was. You know, yes, exactly. My
0: well, my I have a, a daughter who is an addiction psychiatrist, and she values TikTok greatly because she taps into all these mental health posts and channels. Oh, I mean, wow. it's there's entire there's lots of things on there about autism spectrum mm. and about and, and yeah. addiction is her thing, and it has. Uh, she is a huge fan, huge fan of it, and and she won't go near Facebook. And as much as I work on her about it, she will not update her LinkedIn profile, but <laughs> she is all about about TikTok. Mm. Now, I want to I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the topics that you're covering in season one. Yes. And also, where can people find this? Maybe they're listening to us and they're thinking, I want to get Mary Fran out of the way, and I just want to hear these two guys talking. Yeah. Where do they go to find well, you?
2: I, I <clears> think <throat> I think that you should be able to find us in any platform that you listen to podcasts on. Okay. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah. Spotify, uh,
1: but you can always go to www.itsnotpersonal.net. Okay, all in word,
0: and listen to it directly there.
1: And, and mm-hmm. the links are there to um, to the platforms, and mm-hmm. a little bit of notes on the the episodes. Yep. it will be a weekly. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll drop an episode every week.
2: Yep. Um you and al- you can also go to my my website sethrigaletti.com Yes, and you'll mm-hmm. see ones there yes. as well.
0: Good, and you are a podcast veteran. You have a podcast you did in 2019 called Into the Wolf. Yeah.
2: That's that's, how I knew to call this guy. That's right, that's right. So I did a Ah. a podcast in 2019 Into the Wolf, which was about change and communication. Yep, And I I really, just me talking about some of the things that people can do to affect their communication style and what Mm -hmm. gets in the way of being understood and being heard. took a pause from that during the pandemic because mm-hmm. I was just, as everything else, I was just so exhausted with the idea of like trying to make this thing again mm-hmm. and not sure where to go. This has been a great reentry into yeah. it with Ken. It's been, it's been so been much fun.
0: Very reinvigorating. Yeah, right? totally. Yes. I'm ready to do more. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about topics that you cover in yes. season one. And of course, the each Episode and you've you've already taped them all, so we did. We, we know we, we know this is happening. Yes. Good, yes. good. That's the smart and way to do it. They'll be released every
2: week, so yes. starting yes. today, right. every week there'll be a new one.
0: Oh, so we can't binge you then?
2: No. We can't. Well, okay. you can if well. you wait. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. I I want to ask you about some of them have uh, wonderful titles. Now, maybe you've changed some of these, but tools can make fools.
1: Yes. No. All I right. think we're, that's that's definitely still a title. Yes. All right. So,
0: <laughs> tell me why? Why do tools make fools? Yes. Yeah, so
2: so, you know, th- there was a, a conversation we were having around um, some of the technology that can make us sort of not become too dependent. Right. Mm-hmm. So we sort of expect things. There, there's a, a story about like, um, I don't know if we put it in the podcast, but about, you know, o- can't we just automate that? You know, can't <laughs> we just automate that? And like, and you know, and Ken's question was great. He was like, well, what do you mean? Right. What does that actually mm-hmm. mean? And there can be an assumption that we have that like. All these tools are going to somehow solve for all the difficult parts that we have to do. And we still have to do those parts. We still have to deal with people
1: and it's it's okay. it's not only about the software or the technology we actually talk about it. It can be a process right. It can mm-hmm. be, you know, an 100%. approval process. I don't know. But that you end up serving the process rather than the process or the tool, this technology serving the output, the outcome, which yes. is really, that gets back to, well, tell me what you mean by that and what's yeah. the outcome yeah. you're looking for? And so we talk a little bit about how do you, how do you have that conversation? And Lord knows, mm-hmm. I mean, this audience of largely CIOs, this mm-hmm. is a conversation we have all the, all time, the time. When yeah. people think that the technology is a magic wand, it's going to you know, solve it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's oftentimes they'll come to you and say, "Okay, well, we need this CRM well, that's, system."
2: That, that's actually that's actually a big part of it, yeah. right? Someone's like, "Here's a tool mm-hmm. that will solve this one problem." Mm-hmm. Now, the 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 thing that you have to do as a CIO, I think, is and, and your team has to do is ask themselves, like, "Okay, this may solve this one problem, may solve mm-hmm. this one problem, but but we don't want to just assume." It's not going to create a whole bunch of other problems. What are the
1: unintended consequences? What are
2: the Indeed. unintended consequences? Indeed. Are you
0: And when when Seth says that, are you thinking of any particular technology? Uh, oh,
1: gosh. Yeah. Now, oh. this happens all the time across yeah. the... I mean, this... And Let's it's, pick on one. <laughs> it's not unique to, certainly, my experience or my company. I think this is a mm-hmm. common uh, challenge. And, you know, somebody goes to a conference or sees something online, and they come back and say, like, oh, my gosh, we need this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Uh, boy to pick on
2: one (laughs) how about about email? email i mean just like Uh, just like go to the most easy one right like email is a great tool right but we misuse it all the time Mm -hmm. we don't actually understand so so what do we do we create other tools right slack and texting and all these other things like
0: email management systems totally
2: and 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 yeah what happens is we're trying to outsource our own like,
0: time spent or right? own
2: like choices right yeah. like basically like like what am i tr- i mm-hmm. say to clients all the time what are you trying to do with right. this email what are you actually yeah. trying to do mm-hmm. like what is your point right and and sometimes it's really just event sometimes mm-hmm. it's to you're trying to to give so much information this powerpoint is another tool mm-hmm. right no like, powerpoint's like, a great example right we're mm-hmm. trying to give so much information that that people have to say yes. Well, guess what? That's actually not how it works, mm-hmm. right? You give too much information; people are going to become they confused.
0: Turn right off. They just become overwhelmed very quickly. Yes. Yes. All right. Another topic you have. What is a meeting? <laughs> I, I, I almost wish this this to, this topic instead was no more meetings. But see, we, now that's a
1: really interesting response our, because okay. <laughs> I was I was sharing this I don't know this thought with well certainly with Seth, but I think with mm-hmm. my uh, with my daughter. And my twenty-year-old daughter, who is studying computer science and political science, she's going into cybersecurity. Very proud of her; she's oh, doing great. Good. Um, and she was talking about my—you know—we were talking about what my job is as mm-hmm. a CIO and how many meetings I go to. And she's like, "That sounds awful." And I said, <laughs> "Well, I mean, maybe, but meetings is where we actually get to have conversations, right?" And there's a lot of times that I think we misuse meetings.
0: Yes, because they're like sometimes they're more like verbal PowerPoint presentations where one person is just flooding everybody else, and everybody's sitting there and taking notes. It could have been an email. That's right. Yes. (laughs) But the
1: when we use meetings well, they're Mm -hmm. really powerful enablers of connection, of alignment on strategy, of Mm -hmm. decision making. And I love those meetings. Yes. And so, you know, okay. to, to kind of lump them all together is to say, well, like let's make sure we're using meetings well mm-hmm. and appropriately, just like any other tool. Yeah. And think about when we need to come together. But when you're doing it right, those are the ones I walk away from, energized and excited mm-hmm. about, because we've we've come closer together as an organization. Yeah. We've come closer together with our customers, we've come closer together on this project. Mm-hmm. But that is you know, and again, you, you need to challenge and examine yourself on kind of what is a meeting, right? Yeah. And what do you? Why are you coming together?
2: Yeah. Why are we coming together? I, mean, yes. I I had a conversation with a a client. Uh, it's, it's a it's a startup organization, and so it's like thirty something, maybe sixty people at this point. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they're they're like they have so many meetings,
0: and they're all all hands,
2: and they're all all hands, wow. and they're all and they're all feeling this pressure, and they say we need a policy. <laughs> that eliminates meetings. And I was like, that is not gonna work. <laughs> like, you're gonna have a big problem. I always right? say poly- Maybe
0: Maybe you'll drive all the meetings underground and they'll become uh, more fun.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, said, to, I yeah. said to people all the time, I said, everybody hates meetings except for the ones that they plan, right? right? Yeah. The ones that they call they think are really important. And if mm-hmm. you just asked yourself, why am I calling this meeting? What is am I trying? What is my goal here? Is the
0: purpose of the meeting what is you usually pur- have to fix first when oh you're working just, with clients?
2: First of all, just understanding what am I trying to accomplish? Never yes. mind just the purpose, but mm-hmm. like why do I think it's important to bring us all together? Yes. And then if you yeah. start there and you're like, well, I think we need to talk through this hard issue. Okay, then how am I setting this up? Mm-hmm. Right. Like what's the goal? What's a good outcome mm-hmm. for yeah. this meeting? And Sometimes that could be just a, so just give an example. Like a lot of times there's at your organization a lot of conversation about alignment. We yeah. have alignment. Yeah. So it's a there's a big organization. A, we, it's a big know, organization, yeah. a lot going on, right? So like this question of like alignment gets really confusing sometimes. Mm. Is it we need to align around something or we need to get in line? And the difference between those two things is how engaged people will be in the meeting. Yeah. If it's around, you know, let's align, let's figure out where we all are, mm-hmm. where the gaps are, and what we need to do to meet each other in the middle. That's mm-hmm. actually engaging. If you're just like, hey, this is what we're doing, get in line, that's not a meeting you want to go to.
0: <laughs> well, and, and this, the the whole alignment word taps into one of my screeds that I've done over the years. Mm-hmm. I started this when I was the editor in chief at Computer World. We would survey IT people and ask what are their most important priorities for the coming year and whenever we put IT business alignment on there everybody would check that box and mm-hmm. it always came out first. But I became convinced that alignment was the scarlet A for IT because it implied automatically that the mm-hmm. business is doing, the business is mm-hmm. doing something and mm-hmm. you all need to find out what that is and get in line. You're not part of the strategizing. Um, and that, that notion about IT and the rest of the business, mm. th- that has been, I think, a lot of the conversation. It's,
1: it's always been out mm. there. And I think in, yeah. in many organizations, and certainly, you know, I've had a, a fairly long career at this point in IT
0: and
1: mm-hmm. uh, different organizations. And it, it's always been interesting to me. Um, and there's a lot of, I've seen, well, we're not going to call ourselves IT anymore. We're going to call ourselves oh, yeah. information management. We're or, the
0: digital solutions department. Uh, you know, like, yeah. like, like, but mm-hmm. everybody
1: else still calls you IT. So <laughs> embrace right. it um, yeah. and know your value that you bring into the room. Know, you know, and this is one of the like yeah. I said, the great things about being in that seat is often as a function that works with every part of the organization. Mm-hmm. As a CIO, you're often in the place where you can help identify where there's not alignment. Help create mm-hmm. the space in the conversation for alignment, help hear the different voices. And again, this gets back to the mm-hmm. the people aspect of what we do. And I think yeah. in a lot of ways our role is uniquely positioned for
2: uh mm-hmm. for that. And and to to tag on to that, you have to be able to remove your ego yes. out of that conversation. Because if you mm-hmm. if you go in there thinking like, well, IT needs a voice at the table, which is important. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you think of it as like an opposition, mm. right? Like yeah. the whole point about being a strategic partner is you have to sort of be curious about what is what is it that the other people at the table are trying to accomplish? Yeah. And what do I understand yeah. about mm-hmm. how we can help <laughs> you accomplish that? Right? And yeah. what ways are you making it hard for me to help you accomplish that? I mean, that, that conversation <laughs> yeah. is really interesting yeah. if you're not trying to uh, you know assert your dominance or whatever the thing is that mm-hmm. you know yeah. comes into yeah. play
0: well i i remember for many years we would talk about it and the helicopter view it had of mm. the company mm. but i stopped doing that a few years ago i traded it out for a better i think it is the central nervous system because it's it's deep in the body of the business, it is affecting and running and helping right. everything. And that's a much better visual to me than thinking about floating above all the problems and saying, Yeah, that's that's like a network problem over there, I'll send somebody to fix it. Right. You know, I mean it, it it's not that detachment because I, I don't maybe it's the crowd I talk to, but I don't run into any CIOs who are detached from their businesses. No, I, I mean, mean if you think
1: every part of yeah. the employee or the customer. Experience these days for I don't care what company you're in Mm -hmm. is impacted in some way by technology. Yeah. And that is an awesome responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also a lot of fun. Like it creates this opportunity to really think about how do we make things better? How do we make Mm -hmm. this a better place to work? How do we deliver services or products or whatever uh, better? How do we go to market differently? Yeah. That's a really, really neat place to be. But again, back to, you maximize that impact when you think about the people. It's not the tech; the tools will change.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. the
0: tools constantly change. And yes, just, and
2: just to like yeah. kind of add on to that, like part of what you know, Ken and I, when we, in this these what we sort of discover is that your ability to have influence mm-hmm. right across the organization, it, every solution that any leader comes up with is going to touch digital. Like at this mm-hmm. day and age, like there's no point, as you were just saying, yeah. there's no point where that's not going to happen. But the IT leaders have to have some influence on how they make those decisions because mm-hmm. if you don't have any influence, then what happens is really bad decisions get made that five years down the road everyone's like, well, how did we get here? you know how do we end up here? This is a problem, right <laughs> yes. and so the ability to for leaders like Ken, to be able to have influence comes when they become curious. Mm. When they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, tell me a little bit about what you're trying to, like calm everything down. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, I'm not gonna say no, just tell me a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Okay. Right. Now, um, I'm sorry and I'm not sorry. That's one of your podcasts, yes. one yes. of your yes. session titles. Yes. And, um, so, so you do get to say you're sorry, but you're not personally sorry. Well, but, yeah, I don't explain. want this to
1: take it the wrong way. <coughs> um, you know, if I spill my coffee on you in a meeting, I'm obviously going to say sorry because I right not exactly. But you know, again, and we touched on this earlier. You know, for doing your job, you never say sorry. It always puts you on the back foot. Yes. In that conversation. Now, I got to say, you know, we this was one of my favorite episodes we, we talked through mm-hmm. and, and recorded. And I went home and I was telling my wife about this. Yes. And I, I said, you know, no, I tell my team all the time, never apologize for doing your job. Never mm-hmm. apologize for your work. Mm-hmm. And she said... That's terrible. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> so, Are you so, saying you're never gonna apologize to me again? And I said, no, <laughs> no, you
1: know, and no. again it's it's about and I think this is overcoming some of that, you know, legacy of IT being this right. service function or this order taking right. function. And so right. look, you know, we we should be confident in value that we bring and -hmm. deliver to our colleagues be confident in voicing our perspective on based on our experience and here's the inputs and why Mm -hmm. and helping others understand how to get leverage from that
2: let me add another thing too which is that in it you're whatever you do right even an upgrade right Mm -hmm. there's going to be some have some impact that's going to upset some people and they're going to bring some emotion Mm-hmm. to you. And mm-hmm. you really helped your team understand that like we're not going to like apologize for doing our job even if people are upset.
1: And that's again that's not I don't want people to hear this and take it the wrong way cuz right. we plan Deliberately for change management, we plan for right. You know, people reducing. are still and you tell people be
0: what to expect. Absolutely, and here's what's going to happen, and you're not going to like it. And, you know, well, and you can, and
1: you, I try not to say mm-hmm. it that way, but okay. the, <laughs> But we say this could have an impact. We want to understand, mm-hmm. you know, how if there's something that we've overlooked, yeah. help us understand how to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, help us understand, and this is actually, you know, helping them feel like their voices are heard. Yeah. Um, and providing input into right. that uh, from a
2: change management perspective. I think I think what I'm trying to say is that in this is that that people get pe- people get emotional, mm-hmm. right? Work is they're under a lot of stress, kind of like what we talked about earlier, right? People are under a tremendous amount of pressure, and things don't always happen the way you think they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. Even if you do all that change management stuff ahead of time, even mm-hmm. if yeah. you tell them how it's going to go, it still can be upsetting. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you know, Ken's really empowered his team to recognize that the goal here is not to take the blame. Mm -hmm. right? No one, blame is not gonna help. Blame and shame do not move things forward. The goal is to move things forward and to get everybody on the same page about, you know, really, I recognize that this is upsetting, I recognize this didn't turn out the way we thought it would or the Mm -hmm. way you wanted it to or the way that we expected it to or whatever, but Mm. Let's talk about what the next steps are, and that's yeah. the
1: core of it: is that blame and shame at work are not constructive; they don't help, even when there's a problem, yeah. especially when there's a problem. It mm-hmm. actually gets in the way
2: of oh, problem hundred percent, right? And yeah. if you
1: start with "I'm sorry," or "You should be sorry," <laughs> you're just not <laughs> or you brought this on yourself. <laughs> you're not in a constructive place, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. You know, and that's that's the the. the point of that is to make sure that you're approaching that problem, that crisis, that moment, mm-hmm. you know, and it really takes some habit changing because how often have you heard something like walk in, you knock, knock on your door, and, "oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You just yeah. chose to interrupt yeah. me. You're it's here because sure. you need to interrupt That's so good. And, and I have yeah. to yeah. show you that I trust that you decision making and, mm-hmm. and interrupting whatever I was doing. You probably have a good reason, mm-hmm. right? And so please don't apologize. Please yeah. let me know.
2: And, and there's also a reflexiveness, right? There's like there a, a reflexive attitude of of we, uh, not everybody, but some mm-hmm. people they say they're sorry. You know, a lot of clients I work with, they'll mm-hmm. they'll apologize for things, and I'm like, well. Hang on. What are you apologizing for? Like that is not that is not your fault, mm-hmm. right? This is just like a thing that happened. Yeah. And um and so we have to understand like how do we interrupt that pattern? And yeah. I think you've done a great job. That's
1: that's team. that's the piece is just interrupting that kind of instinctiveness yeah. to yeah. blame and shame, even for blaming ourselves. Yeah. If we can take that out and again, mm-hmm. that, it's not personal. This
0: wasn't because that person at the door probably better if they knock and say. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. You know, I mean, if you ask a question... You usually can't apologize in the middle of it unless you say, "I'm sorry, I have a question to ask you." Right. But, but usually, people don't do that. See you why know, well, this is our contra- you know, the get, most
1: controversial episode?
0: Uh, as I right. said, but ultimately, your episodes all lead, and in some ways, I guess I'm I'm reversing your pyramid, um, which we do in journalism all the time, getting to the getting to psychological safety. Mm. That is your. That's the t- number twelve. That's the last of your episodes, yeah. and that uh, it sounds like workplace nirvana where everybody really feels comfortable to speak up um right. so the
2: subtitle of this one is mm-hmm. uh, you can say that here
0: oh, and that nice. and that's
2: the the mm-hmm. the gener- genesis of that is to say that when there isn't psychological safety we tend to censor ourselves we tend mm-hmm. to say like i'm not going to say this thing because i'm going to get in trouble i don't want to be the one to say there's an elephant in the room mm-hmm. If you think about like the um the emperor's new clothes right that like nobody wanted to say "Mm, there's no real clothes there like because you you don't want to be the one who gets in trouble and i think you know ken we talked about this Mm. right how do you create this everything all the pieces that we talked about in each podcast brings us to this place of how you create a team that says This is. I. They can disagree. They can have conflict. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, one of the things my team always hears me say is, and I know that other CIOs or or IT leaders or Mm -hmm. whatever function you lead will appreciate this. I say never waste a crisis. You know, so you have an outage, you have a issue, you have some, you know, something you have to
2: deal
0: with. Well, the whole pandemic is such a great example of that. It is, and there's
1: there's this message that comes along with never waste a crisis, which is there's a question, which is what did we learn? What Mm -hmm. are we going to do next? Yep. Yep. And there's an implicit permission to talk about the crisis, yes. to deliver bad news. Mm-hmm. That's the you can say that here is because we're going to take this bad news and we're going to – because it's IT. It happens. Like mm-hmm. the Murphy's Law. Well, yes. Right? And yes. we're going to – Stuff happens. We certainly yeah. are going to prepare you know, to try and mitigate and, and remove that risk or reduce that risk. But if you take that risk or you take that issue, that crisis, and you talk about it and you mm-hmm. incorporate the talk – The learnings, then you can get better. But you have to start with a place that you can talk about Mm -hmm. bad things that happen or might
0: happen. Now you've been working on this for a while. I mean, you've you've been one of those servant leaders talking about this kind of stuff for as probably as long as I've known you. What kind of impact are you seeing this on your talent retention and your acquisition? Because that's a lot of it comes down to. We've been, I think, for the last thirty years in IT, we've been fussing about the war on talent and how do you get and keep good people, and it never, ever changes. Mm. And there has been a lot more movement during yeah. the pandemic, especially younger people who want are expecting different things from work. I know we've talked about that before too. So what impact has this work had, the work that you've done with Seth, um, what has that had on your company culture? Can mm. you look at a few years ago and give us a before and after example
1: yeah i think um i, I mean all the the macro uh, kind of factors you talked about are, are real you know there's mm-hmm. never been uh more demand for technology talent for software no. talent um there's a whole new dynamic in the marketplace these days because mm-hmm. most folks can work for most companies from, from most anywhere. anywhere yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. um You know and so there's all these things that we we think about and then i work for you know i love working at idex laboratories it's a great company as you mentioned it's a growth company Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a company that's a little bit niche you know it's not a household name unless you're a veterinarian or in this area so (laughs) every
0: vet in the world probably knows absolutely Absolutely. you (laughs) you know when i
1: first got the call from idex i was like who
0: and you're and where in Maine? I had to do my, my know, research. Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. so this is part of, you know, our talent acquisition is, is helping people understand what it's like to work in an organization or in our organization um, is, you know, creating this environment of growth, creating mm-hmm. this environment of trust, creating a culture of gratitude. I talk about it all the time with, okay. the, with the team. Mm. Um, is it's one of the
2: podcast episodes. Uh, it
1: is one of the podcast episodes. Gratitude. Gratitude. Mm-hmm. Culture of gratitude and what does that mean? Why is that important? You know, well, mm-hmm. and you mentioned kind of the generational aspects, and and you mm-hmm. and I have talked about it before. And mm-hmm. I was talking to another CIO. I was on a panel at a conference, and um, somebody said, "Well, what do you do about like those those Gen Z folks coming in that you know if they don't feel heard, if they don't feel like they have a path to growth, if they don't feel like they're part of the discussion, they'll just up and leave." And I said, "Well, mm-hmm. feeling heard." path to growth, part mm-hmm. of those. Right. Hell, I want that too. Right. <gasps> yeah. Those are, yeah. Right? I don't think that's <laughs> a generational sticks. thing. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I think we all want that. Now we, yeah. we have different experiences, you know, over the years as to what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that those are, I actually think it's fantastic that we're working in a time where people are having those discussions.
0: Yeah. And so. And have three to four generations all still working together in the workplace. What can we learn from each other on that? Because the baby boomers, we just won't die and go away, you know? I mean, come on, people. (laughs) So,
1: I mean, to your point, you know, what are we seeing? You know, I I think, and Seth can speak from someone who's worked with the organization from an outside perspective. but. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the culture of the team is a very engaged. This is not a back office function. If that's what you want, go mm-hmm. someplace else. We are very much plugged in and embedded with the other line functions and mm-hmm. understand. And this is one of the things I'm, I'm probably proudest of is I would say that the, the IT organization understands the value that we deliver. To our customer, to our services, to our colleagues. Mm-hmm. And how do we support one another in that and path for growth? Yeah. And so there's a lot of movement within the organization taking on, you know, roles and raising their hand have mm-hmm. you know, innovation days and just a lot of fun yeah, and engaging. It's
2: amazing what he does with his mm-hmm. team. It's really engaging. Do you
0: just wanna make a blueprint of him and like just pass him out to your other <laughs> client? Yeah, be saying, more it's, like Ken I, I think his <laughs> work.
2: I think, I think that, yeah, and I think the thing is intentionality. So like I think yeah, yeah. the thing about Ken's, um, all of the ways in which he and I have partnered in helping his team is the clarity with which uh, he understands that one of the obstacles, one of the biggest obstacles to people feeling successful at work mm-hmm. is their ability to communicate themselves Right to be understood, mm-hmm. right across different groups. It, you know, it doesn't make any difference if you're right if nobody understands you or nobody like cannot can hear you, right? So like, how do we how do we empower them? And yep. and, and what's you don't get into work that I do just to like you know, I don't want to do trainings. I don't really want to do just you know here's how you, you don't wanna do show a PowerPoint. People a PowerPoint. No, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like it's not it's not interesting to me, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But the ability to work with somebody. Who is interested in empowering his um, his folks to communicate clearly, to have influence, to have presence, to Mm -hmm. be able to uh, communicate complicated ideas in a story form, right? Mm -hmm. You know, really complicated things in a in a form that other people can actually not only understand but 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 actually use, you know, across Mm -hmm. the organization. That's. Exciting, right? And that and that keeps people um, keeps people engaged. No, does it solve for all the hmm. various market issues that you've got? Like, you know, if someone's going to get paid double to go work for Google. Like, well, there's not much yeah. you can do about that. But no. but you know, one mm-hmm. of the things is that wherever they go, they're going to have this to look back
0: on. Yeah. Well, and wherever they go, they're going to run into other people. Yeah. And, but coming back to that original thing, the future of work, it's like the world has woken up to the idea that there's a lot more human beings going on at work than there used to be. We used to be, we saw people in particular roles and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you had particular strata in -hmm. every company and all that. And I'm so encouraged by all the talk about, you know, making work more human. And it's really more human aware and human centric.
1: It's more human centric, I think. Yeah. And you know, I have a standing offer out to anybody in my organization. I mm-hmm. said, so "I'll help you negotiate your next job offer." Oh, that's um, nice. And yeah, you know, I'm. And then I'm going to talk to you about why and whether I think yeah. that that should be here, you know, with our organization. But that's and, great. And very, mm-hmm. very few people take me up on it, but some do.
2: <laughs> some, some do, and will come. Yeah. And, and you've done a tremendous job. Well, helping. and sometimes mm-hmm.
1: I've said, you know what, you're ready for the next thing. Yeah, right. You should go. Yes. Or uh, you wanna have the startup experience. I can't offer right. you that here. Let me right. I can I can here's what I can offer you yeah. and how I think it'll tick the boxes that you're looking to tick. But I've wished people well on their way mm-hmm. out the door. Yes. And invited them back. And we've had actually boomerangs that yes. go out and yeah. do that startup right. experience. Yep. And then they're like, you know what? I valued these things at IDEX and I'm ready to take the next role. And they come back. And I think that mm-hmm. by being sincere in that offer, and I truly am, um, then it creates a, just a, a, back to that psychological safety. I can talk yes. about the fact that I'm not satisfied with where I am and I want yeah. to take the next opportunity. Yeah. And we can have that conversation.
0: Well, I've had conversations with CIOs who get interested in being on boards of directors. Mm. And some of them, when they talk to, and of course, you have to have permission from your CEO yeah, if absolutely. you've got a full-time job. But a lot of these CEOs not only embrace it, but some of them will help. You know, bring me your bio and I'll take a look at it for you and that kind of stuff. That was one like, of the
1: reasons I joined IdaX I remember. I- Had that conversation with a then CEO Mm -hmm. and CFO, and I said, you know, my ambition is to have Mm -hmm. this experience at some point in my career, and they both said, yeah, we can help with that. And today, I'm I'm both on the board of nonprofit Educate Bain Mm -hmm. as well, and I was chair of the board for for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. and I'm on the board of a software startup Grax. That's right, um, Grax here in Boston. Here in (laughs) Boston, it's the plug. Um, and it's been a fantastic experience that absolutely has helped me in my role as a CIO in yes. understanding yes. the questions of my CEO It's and the, of the ultimate
0: board. executive education. And mm. one CEO made a comment to his CIO. He said, this is absolutely going to be great for you, and I don't have to pay for it. You know, it was like he doesn't have to send you back to MIT to get a graduate certificate and that kind of thing. Um, new challenges for IT leaders in the near future, especially... Uh, leaders of all stripes, maybe not even just IT, having to navigate this new landscape mm. with the hybrid workforce and people that mm. I was. I had um, uh, dinner over the weekend with a friend who's and she's got a fairly big job in event planning, and she said, "No, I'm never going into the office again, and they can't make me." What do you, and yeah. you know, what, and do you, what do you
2: think so, about that, Ken? Yeah, what Is do you that, think about that, Ken? You know, what
0: are some of the new challenges for? all the communication and the things you want to do with people that are no longer going to come into your office?
1: Well, first of all, you know, I think we should recognize that there's no one size fits all playbook. In fact, there's no playbook that's been written. Mm -hmm. We're writing the playbook and it's probably going to take us a few revisions. And that was part of the conversation that I had with my team Mm -hmm. was we're going to try, we're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else mm-hmm. and figure it out as we go. And um, But we're going to do it together. Mm. And we're going to yeah. provide each other feedback on what works and what doesn't and mm-hmm. how we uh, work well together and stay connected. And I do lead a, a global organization with team mm-hmm. members all over the world and mm-hmm. lots of countries. Um, so we've always been distributed. Right. So I've always yes. worked with folks that weren't sitting right next to me in the office.
0: Yeah yeah i uh, people overlook that the fact that i t people are kind of naturally good at this well, because you've done a lot of remote working already. <laughs> I don't think we were that good at it, not within my own organization, oh, not right. pre-pandemic. I think we
1: got a lot better and I'll tell you one of the the mm-hmm. <laughs> the aha light bulb moments I had was actually in a conversation with our CEO, and we were talking about how do you do this distributed thing? And mm-hmm. he said, well, the sales team has always been distributed. Mm-hmm. But they have very structured frameworks and very, Seth, you mentioned it, it's a very intentional approach mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to staying connected and aligned, You know, coming together in certain formats, communicating in certain channels. Mm-hmm. And I went and studied what our sales organization was doing, because they were doing it a lot better than we were.
0: This is when you became a commercial CIO, because we've had that conversation yeah. before, too, where you stopped trying to hold sales and marketing at arm's length and got yourself immersed in it. Oh,
1: there was a point in my yeah. younger mm-hmm. days where I didn't want to work with those salespeople. Mm. And I realized that, wait a minute, they're the ones wait that make money for the company. Wait a
0: minute, they're the rainmakers. <laughs> yeah, wait to a learn. minute. And yeah. they
1: operate differently and they have a different approach. But um, mm-hmm. there's a lot to learn from that function from our sales colleagues. In a lot creating. to learn about storytelling too. Absolutely.
0: Salespeople are excellent storytellers. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um and so I've taken a lot of those practices and experimented a lot with those practices to yeah. see and and we're going to keep going. But I think these are the things that we have to take on board going forward because mm-hmm. we're never going to have everybody in the office again. Uh not at mm-hmm. the same time. Not without intentional gathering, you know, yeah. and things. Yeah. And I think that this is this is the new
0: The new way all right well i can't believe we're out of time goodness yeah when we were sitting down and and seth was saying how long is this going to be 45 minutes and i said oh an hour you know we'll talk for an hour and i feel like we could do this for another hour but i'm going to have mercy i know you guys have a long drive home to maine um thank you both for doing this i want everybody to adopt your new podcast i know i'll be listening to it it's not personal and you can find it on all the major podcast platforms and at itsnotpersonal.net.
1: That's correct. You can oh, sign up okay. and subscribe there and get updates as well.
0: There we go. Excellent. Thank you both for thank coming you so in much, and, Mary. and thank you, Mary Fran, doing this today. It's been great. If you joined us late today and you're thinking, oh no, what an incredible conversation and I missed it, don't worry. You can watch the full episode later today right here on LinkedIn, or you can also see us on CIO.com and on our YouTube channel, which is called Tech Talk. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast. I'm not sure if it's going to compare to your podcast, but we've been around for a while. So wherever you find your podcast, also look for CIO Leadership Live. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today as much as I did with CIO Ken Grady and leadership coach Seth Rigoletti, and that you'll come back and join us again next time at noon Eastern on Monday, July 11th, when I'll be joined by Anil Bhatt, who is the global CIO of the company soon to be formally known as Anthem, and it is being rebranded as Elevance Health. Thanks for joining us today. It's been great having you here. And do take a moment to subscribe to Tech Talk on YouTube, where you can find all of the previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live. And if you want to binge all 85 of them, by all means, take the weekend. And stay well, and we'll see you here again next time. Thanks.